Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Lock It In, a sports betting show, part of the Believe Podcast Network. And now, here's your host, Cam Rogers. Thank you, Brian Brown, for that introduction as always. Yes, indeed, this is Lock It In with Cam Rogers. That's me. What's going on? Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99 episode two here this week, which means a very special guest. And we have Tom Hannafin, the voice of Impact Wrestling and host of the Pay Dirt podcast. That is, of course, a show about Penn State football with Matt McGloin. Really great show. Check that out. You can use the handle on Twitter at Tom Hannafin. Tom, appreciate the time, sir. What's going on? Thank you. I'm doing good. It's nice. Uh, thank you for mentioning Matt. He's been away on paternity leave the last couple of weeks. So excited to get him back at some point. So I've been flying solo a little bit lately on Paydirt. And we've had some really interesting episodes, especially with uh, the time we're recording this. The Senior Bowl is coming up. So um, got Kyle Krabs from the Draft Network. Been a lot of fun, man. It's something uh, I've always been passionate about. Penn State graduate runs in my family so it's just nice to kind of hop on there and talk some ball we are right Penn State exactly I see so, that hoodie I see that hoodie yes. and I resent that hoodie <laughs> folks who are not uh, watching on social or YouTube or what have you I'm wearing a Maryland shirt right now sweatshirt and uh, it's funny I actually went to the Penn State game in College Park last fall Tom oh and one of my buddies came down from New Hampshire who went to Penn State just littered with white jerseys in college park i mean it was hilarious how bad of a presence we had the tailgates we were outnumbered it was unreal how you guys travel oh it's crazy and then especially like dc area you know i have a bunch of friends that that are just down there as like you know young professionals and it is dominated by penn state grads so yeah that's kind of what you get and then uh obviously it's been a bit of a contentious rivalry the last i don't know five or six years so mm -hmm. i remember going to the game uh, at Beaver Stadium in State College where uh, Maryland players refused to shake the hands of Penn State players before the game yeah. then wound up beating us uh, in the rain. It was a nasty day, all that stuff. So we were like, oh, it's on. So every time there's a Penn State Maryland game, you could feel like the students, especially if they take it very personally. Well, it's funny. I'm a graduate of 2017. So my first year, we were still in the ACC and then we made mm. that change. And when that happened, Tom, I was sort of like rolling my eyes because I'm thinking to myself, are we trying to force something here, force a rivalry, you know? And so I think maybe that's what we were trying to do because we're new to the Big Ten. And so I don't know. It'd be cool. Like, I, I think that about a lot of Big Ten teams and Penn State is kind of in this odd limbo where they don't really have a true on the field rival. Like hmm. the fans, we can't stand Ohio State michigan michigan state and outside of the hideous land grant trophy that's like really the only thing binding that rivalry in particular with michigan state like there's no like blood feud years old or something like that it's just more envy and like some really close wins and a lot of losses unfortunately but right. penn state i would love to see them for instance like you talk about going out of conference would love to see Pitt, penn state consistently would love to see penn state west virginia consistently but you know we take the hands we're dealt I have to ask you here, as we're on the Penn State train, do you think what could have been this past season with Sean Clifford dealing with his injuries? And at least I think that from the outside, that they could have been a lot better than what they were. 
Oh, 100%. Obviously, the high water mark was that first quarter uh, against Iowa. That was really right. the entire turning point of the season. Um, number three versus number four, uh, prime time. It was a question of could Penn State be in the college football playoff? And obviously, the way that things played out, we saw what Michigan developed into and then the, the run that Cincinnati went on. Would Penn State really belong there? I don't know. But the way that they were rolling in those first five games, it really felt like it. Sean Clifford felt like he turned a corner. He kind of picked up where he left off in 2019, 2020. He almost gave everybody a mulligan, and it was a rough season for him. It was a rough season for a lot of teams. Um, but it looked like he'd gone from the K.J. Hamler era to now the Jahan Dotson era, and it was like, yep, this is the, the offense we thought it could be. And then, honestly, it was – the deficiencies in terms of the depth on the offense, the deficiencies along the offensive line, especially which plagued Penn state yeah. all season long. And then the injuries, not only to Clifford, but on the defense guys like PJ Mustafer went down. So it just kind of started to go off the rails there. And it is disappointing because part of it is injuries. Uh, I do put a lot of the blame at the, the feet of the coaching staff. And some of it comes down to recruiting because this offensive line has not been good during James Franklin's tenure in Penn state. So, uh, Hopefully that improves at some point. Well, hopefully you learn your lesson after the injuries to Clifford. I would assume they happen because of that offensive line, or at least partly, right, with pass protection and what have you. So Yeah, yeah, they seem to have stepped things up in terms of recruitment, and obviously their class for 2022 is outstanding. I believe top 10 in the nation still. Um, and 2023 is looking promising. Phil Troutwine is getting out there and getting some recruits early. So that's, that's great. You know, I always am like, great. I'll believe it when they have the Jersey on and they've signed officially, whatever, there's a lot of things that can happen. Um, I think the encouraging thing and speaking of Sean Clifford is the competition that he's got in his own quarterback room in his backup in uh, Christian Bayou stepped in against Rutgers and had a good performance to the point people like myself were saying, why not start him in the next game uh, against Michigan state? I believe it was. And it was just, hey, give give the guy a shot. If Clifford can't go, the season, not that it's lost, but the college football playoff was lost at that point. Now you also have Drew Alar coming in. You have Bo Perfula coming in as part of this class. Alar has got all the hype, a la Christian Hackenberg at one point, hmm. hopefully a different product. And then Bo Perfula was getting athletic comparisons to Trace McSorley, a legend in Penn State college football. So, yeah, it's I hope the competition sparks something in Sean or – the competition sparks somebody new to step up. We'll see. Yeah, absolutely. And just to put a bow on this, I feel like there is this element of lack of fairness in the Big Ten East because everybody cannibalizes each other. We're in the East. You're in the East. So many good teams there. Then there's the West, and it's like Wisconsin and who else? <laughs> Wisconsin, Iowa. yeah, Iowa. Um, and Iowa had a rough year as well after playing Penn State as well. So that was ironic. But, um, yeah, and then if Minnesota can get their act together, I think Indiana, unfortunately, was an anomaly. Uh, so it, it just seems like they had a good season, and now they're a little bit back down. Right. I saw something online to the effect of uh, the potential for uh, the Big Ten to dissolve divisions and just kind of play an eight-game in-conference schedule and the top two teams go. My immediate concern with that is, do you then get Michigan-Ohio State back-to-back -back between the regular season finale and the Big Ten title on a regular basis? And the thing that kills me as a fan, I'm sure the networks don't care because the ratings would be great, yep. is that, well, that's a special game. That is the most important rivalry in college football, in my opinion. So if you're just going to be like, well, this one doesn't matter, this is the one that matters. Does that water down the importance of that game? So hopefully 
they can find some ways to maybe do a little realignment here and there. Uh, not sure exactly how that looks. It's going to be going to be tough. Yeah. And as you were saying that, I'm just thinking to myself, the SEC championship game, Alabama and Georgia, we both know they're going well at that yep. time, Alabama had to win, I think. Mm-hmm. But, you know, anyway, sometimes there's that element of lack of importance. So, right. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, let's get into the impact wrestling here. And congratulations again on this role. Fantastic stuff. Thank you. What are your impressions so far of this new gig? It's been great. Uh, The people are fantastic. I've been uh, on the job for about a month now. I'm really enjoying the schedule. I'm just loving the people that I'm working with. It's a lot of familiar faces. And then Mm -hmm. all the new faces have just been so welcoming. So it's been really cool. Um, I think the thing now that I kind of have my feet on the ground, so to speak, and seen a variety of shows at this point and seen a lot of the talent compete, um, this show is underrated in the world of professional wrestling. And if you're a pro wrestling fan, you know that you can go out and get product from just about anybody at this point. There's a lot of different promotions out there. Of course, WWE and AEW are doing their things and they get a lot of exposure. Um, I have compared uh, on other podcasts this current product of Impact Wrestling to what I was experiencing in WWE on NXT uh, from about 2014 to 2016. It has that feel of it's a... It's a, it's a show that is not overly complicated by a lot of things. You've got young talent that are really going to make some waves in the business. You've got veterans who are there to support that and be a draw. And then you've just got some really talented people all together trying to make this thing the best show possible. So I'm really enjoying it so far. And I think people are sleeping on Impact Wrestling as a product, and they really shouldn't be. Yeah, no doubt. And I'm just thinking to myself, Calling professional wrestling has to be an art form, Tom. And for you, obviously, you have that backbone from your experience at WWE and what have you. So, you know, going into this role, did it feel seamless to you? And then just talk about from a macro perspective, calling pro wrestling, because I feel like it's a very unique thing. Um, it, it, to a degree, it did feel seamless. If anything, there were a few less restrictions. Uh, WWE has certain ways that they want things phrased because it's just the way they market their product. There are certain things that they just want avoided, certain things hit, et cetera. So, hey, you're signing the paycheck. Do whatever you ask me to do. <laughs> so uh, it has felt pretty seamless, as I've mentioned before. Um, Josh Matthews is my executive producer. So working with him has been a breeze because he and I came up in the same place. So I know what he's trying to accomplish, but obviously we're putting a twist on it that, hey, we're not WWE. We're going to phrase things differently. We're going to position the product in a different way. So for me, it's just uh, breaking some habits, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that were uh, necessary in WWE and just not necessary now. Um, So I'm kind of discovering myself as a broadcaster, uh, specifically in wrestling in terms like, hey, what do I want to say? How do I want to do this? How do I want to emote in this? Uh, And to your point about the macro of calling professional wrestling, and I just kind of touched on it, it's about emotion. And that's not always the case with conventional sports broadcasting. True, You can call golf and sound like you're relatively relaxed and sitting back and there's a nice shot on nine and oh, that's just off the pin, you know, whatever, (laughs) you know, it's just that that can be an average call. When it comes to professional wrestling, if your emotion doesn't match the emotion of the story being told you're dead in the water. So for the better part of nine years with WWE, that's what I was learning. It's live narration. It's storytelling. It's voice acting to a degree. There's certain things that, yeah, you might know about them ahead of time, 
but you don't know exactly how it's going to go. You don't know exactly how it's going to feel. And it's better that way, probably. It's better that way. And like any sport that you may have called, those moments happen organically in front of your eyes and you respond accordingly. Well, imagine you knew exactly how that was going to play out. And then it's like, okay, Cam, you've got to sound like this. You get one shot at it. That's pro wrestling. And a lot of people don't understand that. It's very complicated, but you run the gamut of emotions. It is so much fun. That's awesome. I can hear the passion in your voice here. And (laughs) it's fun, (laughs) man. Luck as we go. I'll be following for sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. I want to uh, pivot here to the National Football League. That's a big focus here on Lock It In. You're, of course, an Eagles fan. Mm -hmm. Not the way, obviously, you want a season to end, a blowout loss in the playoffs, but is there this element of you were playing with house money, just making it to the playoffs, or did you want to go all the way? Oh, my God. Yeah, No, it's entirely like, how did we wind up here? Like I've said it before that this is one of the worst winning record football teams I've ever seen. Um, I remember the first game of the season, it was against the Atlanta Falcons, and like Nick Sirianni is the new head coach. Jalen Hurts has been anointed as the starting quarterback. And uh, Philly goes out and they beat Atlanta. And I was like, are we good? Or is Atlanta terrible? (laughs) And uh, Atlanta wound up being terrible. And we also didn't wind up being that good until the back half of the season. So um, I I think exactly your point. uh, The Eagles were playing with house money. I think Jalen Hurts is still very early in his development. There were a myriad of injuries, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Not a lot of depth at wide receiver. A revolving door at running back. The offensive line uh, is aging. Brandon Brooks just retired. Lane Johnson was in and out of the lineup for personal reasons. Jason Kelsey, even though he's a pro bowler, is getting into the twilight of his career. So I think there's some changes that are definitely coming. And then on the defensive side, I don't know if Jonathan Gannon, as defensive coordinator, really got his footing until the last quarter of the season. Um, There are a lot of things that defensive tackle Fletcher Cox was public about in terms of feeling like he was being misused within the defense. Those seem to have gotten short up over time, but also there's guys like Derek Barnett who have not been what the Eagles expected them to be. Brandon Graham was injured and missed the season. It's a linebacking core that it's very well known. The Eagles don't invest a lot of money in. And the secondary, the drafting, the secondary has been an issue for so long. And you're looking at a team that cannot seem to draft well in the secondary, at least not in a long time. And is hitting with free agents like Steven Nelson, like Darius Slay, but then it's top heavy. So you're, you're frustrated that that's not a better unit. So I think it was obvious from the jump that this was not going to be a team that would win the Super Bowl. Now you got three first round picks and it's kind of like, where do you go with this? Cause there's a lot of needs to be addressed. Well, let's go to quarterback. I'm not going to sugarcoat this question. Is Jalen hurts the franchise quarterback? Or do you have to look for one in the draft this year? I don't think you have to look for the guy in the draft this year because I don't think a franchise quarterback exists in this year's draft. Yeah. Um, somebody is going to force – multiple people are going to force the quarterbacks in the first round this year. I think Pickett out of Pitt is going to get himself an opportunity. Uh, you and I were talking before we came on. Malik Willis is going to attract a lot of people, the quarterback out of Liberty. So those types of bodies are going to go in the first round. Are they worthy of a first-round pick? I don't necessarily know. Um, I don't believe Jalen Hurts has proven yet that he's the franchise quarterback. I think he has earned another season to prove if he can be that guy. If you are thinking of replacing him, 
it certainly shouldn't be with somebody from this draft class. It should be with an existing player in the National Football League. Are you hearing Aaron Rodgers rumors out there in Philadelphia? I haven't I seen think, much. I think people love to talk that up, and, and I'm seeing things that he's actually quite invested in Green Bay and other people saying, well, he can't wait to get out of Green Bay, and it's just it seems like a mess. My issue is that what you're going to have to dish out to get Aaron Rodgers, to get Russell Wilson is another guy that's out there and talked about quite a bit. You're going to have to mortgage the future. And it's like, you're on the edge of a really nice future. So if you gamble that all away for, what are we talking about? A rental, uh, a guy like Wilson or Rodgers, like how many years are they really going to play in Philly? How many right. years do they reasonably have left or want to play? So I don't feel great about that. And then I personally am not one that's even going to remotely entertain Deshaun Watson because his legal situation is atrocious. That's a mess. Yeah. It's a mess. I don't know why people consistently talk about him because I don't think he deserves it. He's an outstanding athlete. But if any of these allegations are true, why in the world would you do that to your locker room and to your organization? So right. that's my opinion on those big three, I think, that are kind of out in the ether. Yeah, a lot of options right now, and it certainly should be a fun offseason here as the new league year is only a month away. All right, let's talk about the NFC East here, Tom. You were weighing in on the newly named Washington Commanders. What are your initial reactions? I would assume this is one of your first media appearances since this new rebrand. What do you think? Uh, it is, in fact. Um, I thought it was terrible. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it. I was posting about it because like it's a mashup between the XFL's DC defenders yeah. and the old AAF San Antonio commanders. I was like, man, two years to think about this zero creativity. I thought the jerseys were terrible. I really didn't think what the what Washington was doing in terms of what their uniforms looked like was all that bad. Like the, the number on the helmet. All right. It's a little plain, but just throw the W on there. Yeah. And it's the same uniforms that frankly has been a tradition for this team but i get it if you're rebranding you want to change everything so fine um so i wasn't thrilled about the uniforms but i just think the team name is just whatever uh i think a lot of us had kind of come around to washington football team it was yeah. kind of like european soccer almost like fc barcelona i was like cool i don't know why more american teams don't do that I, i'd be fine with that um, like if the Washington Wizards dropped the worst nickname in the history of sports, the Wizards, and we're just, hey, we're the Washington Basketball Club, I'd be like, cool, that's fine with me. Yeah. So, <laughs> Sometimes yeah. less is more, right? But you know what? At the end of the day, Cam, the NFC East is the most amusing and entertaining division in the NFL, period. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. Oh, man. And then finally, I have to ask about the Cowboys here. It's just like the same show every single year. How does this happen? I mean, it's probably music to your eyes, if you will. Oh, it's, it's again, the NFC East is going to be the NFC East. It's fascinating. Um, yeah, I like the, the moves that uh, uh, that Washington has made, the, the moves that the Giants have made, um, Dallas's just refusal to move ahead. It's just bizarre. It I is. don't quite understand it. And I, I don't know. I mean, I look at the Dallas Cowboys roster every year, and I was like, this is a fabulous team on paper. I don't know where it's going wrong. Now, people like to point to Jerry Jones because he is his hand in just about everything within the organization. And that's been the constant. So right. the changes have continued, but you're getting the same results. So people can draw their own conclusions. Um, Mike McCarthy's come under a lot of fire, but at the same time, um, the offensive coordinator, whose uh, name escapes me. Kellen uh, Moore. Kellen Moore, the former yep. Boise State quarterback. 
Uh, he's been excellent. Somebody's going to poach him to be the head coach at some point, or maybe he's going to get the job in Dallas at some point. I don't know. I want to believe in Dak Prescott. I want to believe in him as a top five quarterback in the NFL, but it's too inconsistent. It just varies so much from week to week. Um, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's, it is one of the most dumbfounding teams and stretches in the history of the NFL. Like I was feeling secondhand frustration out of it. I'm a Ravens fan. I have like <laughs> no care at all about the Cowboys and they lose right. so often in the first round. And I'm just like, Oh, and then Stephen a the next day having a party about it. You know, it's just, I do enjoy that. I don't yeah. watch a lot of Stephen a, but I do yeah. enjoy when he does that. Cause His it just tweets, makes me, yeah. I mean, it just makes Dallas fans sad. So <laughs> I, I personally love it. And then also for them to lose to San Francisco. And then we saw what, how much, San Francisco came under fire. Jimmy Garoppolo came under fire, especially, right. but still made the NFC championship game. So it's like, okay, this was a good football team an outstanding defense, I would say, and just a little bit too one dimensional on offense. Um, but yeah, it was just kind of fascinating to see Dallas blow it that way at home. It seemed like they had everything going for him. Dak is back and, and they still blow it so i'll believe it when i see it from dallas but every year the nfc east is up for grabs absolutely wild i do want to get to some bets here for the super bowl but first mm. a philosophical question for you tom okay i asked this to my guests last week would you rather have been going back to the 2007 season a giants fan two super bowls but many mediocre years or a packers fan one super bowl playoff appearances but a lot of disappointment what do you weigh more like week to week season to season success or the rings? I think it's gotta be the, the, the rings. It's I mean, it's be, all, right? it's yeah. all about the super bowl and the, the low points, as you mentioned with the giants were really low. And I would argue you probably were more frustrated with Eli Manning than you were with Aaron Rodgers during that stretch, at least Aaron Rodgers, You were like, well, he's doing everything he can. Eli would have seasons where he had the most interceptions in the NFL at points. And you're like, right. what is going on? <laughs> so, but again, it's, this is all about winning, isn't they got it? got you or two least, rings and I mean, Aaron has one, right? It's, it, it's all about winning. And then the Brian Flores information starts coming to light. So, you know, we'll, we'll table that for now, but like, right. dude, like it, it has to be about Super Bowl rings. So unfortunately, yeah. yes, I do have to side with the Giants since 07. <laughs> I just feel like it's such an interesting question. What do you weigh more, right? The consistent success or those two rings? Mm. So, yeah, and Brian Flores' story is certainly going to be a big-time topic going into Super Bowl week. Let's talk about the matchup, though. We have the Rams. We have the Bengals. The Rams are currently laying four and a half against Cincinnati. I think it opened at minus three and a half. Where are you at in this game? Covering outright? What do you think here? Um, I think I'd take the Bengals to cover that. Um, okay. Just because, like, I remember watching that Chiefs game with uh, with Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. And in the first quarter, second quarter, I was like, Chiefs are just running away with this one. And the Bengals, just like they had in the game prior, had just kind of found their way back in it and were steady. The defense is not otherworldly, but they are just kind of in the right place at the right time. It felt to me when Cincinnati upset Kansas City in that championship game, it reminded me very much of the uh, Minnesota Vikings team from years ago that got upset by the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC title game. If you recall, yes. um, Atlanta went on to play Denver. That Vikings team was crazy good. It was the resurgence of Randall Cunningham, a young Randy Moss, Chris Carter, arguably in his prime. Robert Smith was killing people. It was a very, very good team and got beat by what everybody knew was not as talented an Atlanta Falcons team. And then 
Denver just smoked uh, Atlanta in the Super Bowl. This was 98, I, right? I believe, yeah. Don't yeah. date me because I'll feel really old, but I can't remember what year <laughs> it was. Um, one of John Elway's two. So to me, I don't believe this is the same story that Cincinnati gets their, their doors blown off by L.A., and the game being in L.A., I don't think is going to be that big of an no. advantage for the Rams just because we see how that fan base operates. Um, but I just don't think you can uh, count Cincinnati out the way they performed. Every time you're ready to be like they're done, they find a way back in it. Joe Burrow and company are just resilient, period. Absolutely. Absolutely. And hey, we talked about last week, at least I did, Jimmy Garoppolo, very much known for that one big mistake. Matthew Stafford has that in him, too. He can mm -hmm. make that one big mistake, right? So yes, we shall see. And also, Tom, just has been so impressive to watch Joe Burrow perform under the bright lights because I was waiting for that moment where he would just wither down. Hasn't mm -hmm. happened. So. No, he's been great. I think he's got a good supporting cast. The thing that is going to be a challenge come the Super Bowl, um, whether or not they cover, like I was saying, is entirely based on the offensive line play. We yep. know they gave up nine sacks to the Titans, and that is a good defense, but this front seven of the L.A. Rams is phenomenal. So they are going to get after Joe Burrow. The question is, does that offensive line give him the time to actually make some magic happen? I think he can. Uh, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, like he's got the sporting cast. Was, um, I don't know if Uzoma, uh, Uzoma, Uzama. I yeah, we'll see about him. See if he's available or not. Um, doubtful, but yeah, it's it's going to be difficult. I think the Rams defensively, that would be their edge. But Matt Stafford did all the emotion of getting to the big game. Did that already come out of him? And now is it the big game? Is he going to be tightly wound? Is it going to be Detroit Lions, Matt Stafford? Or is it going to be LA Rams, Matt Stafford? We'll right. see. We shall see. The over-under, by the way, 48 and a half. So what do you think about this matchup here? Are you foreseeing a defensive battle? Or do you think this could be a shootout? I think it could be a bit of a shootout. I think maybe you could kind of see what happened between the Chiefs and the, uh, and the Bengals in that. I could see L.A. getting out to an early lead if their defense is able to make things difficult for Burrow. That could be the case. But again, Joe Burrow and company have proven that they can score points and score quickly. I think that's the important thing. And that's been the theme the entirety of these playoffs is that the no lead is safe. So um, I, I would take the over. I don't feel that comfortable with it, but 48 is tough. Hmm. We'll Got a lot of time to kick it around. <laughs> yeah, Super Bowl yeah, we'll Sunday next week. Tom Hannafin, folks, the voice of Impact Wrestling and the host of the Pay Dirt Podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. Use the handle at Tom Hannafin. Tom, appreciate the time, my man. Talk to you soon, all right? Cam, thank you very much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube